0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies, a podcast channel of New Books Network. I'm your host, Schneers Zalman Newfield. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, over 300 young Jewish women from Orthodox, mostly Hasidic, homes in Western Galicia, now Poland, fled their homes and sought refuge in a Krakow convent, where many converted to Catholicism. Relying on a wealth of archival documents, including court testimonies, letters, diaries, and press reports, Rachel Menken reconstructs the stories of three Jewish Jewish, uh, women runaways and reveals their struggles and innermost convictions. In uh, The Rebellion of the Daughters, Jewish women runaways in Habsburg, Galicia, published by Princeton University Press in 2020, Mencken brings to light a forgotten yet significant episode in Eastern European history. Rachel Mencken is an associate professor of Jewish studies at the University of Maryland. Welcome, Rachel, to our program.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, uh, yes. Uh, um, to, uh, to get us started here, could you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to this project?
2: Okay, so uh, I am a historian of uh, Galician Jewry. Uh I'm mostly interested in social and uh, political history, Galicia being uh, the southeastern part of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth which was annexed to the Habsburg Empire in 1772, which makes for a uh, a quite interesting place, an Eastern European uh, traditional population within a, a German-speaking uh, uh, empire. And one of my trips to uh, the National Archives in, in uh, Krakow for a different project that I was involved in, I just came across, across by, by chance, and the most that's how we find usually the most interesting thing, uh, of, of a file with uh, names of, of uh, hundreds of Jewish girls from age 14 and on, uh, who are, uh, uh, depending on the on the type of files that I looked at, who who uh, uh, expressed their uh, desire to convert to uh, Roman Catholicism. This is something I never heard about. I became very interesting, interested in it, and in subsequent trips, I kept on looking for more material. And I also started checking uh, the uh, contemporary press. I looked for other uh, archival sources and so on. Uh, very quickly, I became aware that uh, uh, this is a, a really a, lar- a big story that I can't just talk about about the girls it involved uh, different context the legal context and uh, and so on and uh, I started collecting material I uh, published a few articles uh, so this is how uh, how it started
1: I see so. Um What you mentioned about the context and how there were specific things about this context. So could you uh, paint a picture a little bit? What exactly is the chronological period that your your book focuses on, and what is distinct about the geographical area in which this story takes place?
2: Okay. Uh, so the period that I'm discussing is uh, starting in uh, uh, 1869. Uh, when the law of mandatory education was published by the the Habsburg Empire. As I said, Galicia uh, was part of the Habsburg uh, Empire. Uh, And then uh, I had to look into that law. It turned out that a few years later, uh, there was a version of the law applicable to Galicia uh, while the Habsburg Uh, Mandatory education law required eight years of schooling. The uh, Galician uh, version of the law required only six years uh, of uh, of schooling. Uh, Another law, if I'm talking about the uh, legal uh, context, and this I became aware of it uh, once I started uh, looking into uh, police reports and court cases and so on, Uh, there was a law that defined a civil procedure for conversion. And while, uh, according to Austrian law, a minor was defined as somebody who didn't reach age 24, for the purpose of conversion, anybody who reached the age of 14 uh, could choose uh, his or her religion. So it created a sort of a a clash Uh, because as far as the parents were concerned, in this case their daughter was still a minor, Uh, but converting uh, was done according to the law. And even more than that, uh, according to the law, uh, the, the authorities uh, were supposed if, if, there, if there were uh, somebody would uh, put obstacles on 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 the desire to convert of, of that individuals, the law uh, was supposed or the authorities were uh, supposed to uh, support that con- convert. The law didn't, didn't interfere uh, in uh, the, the religious uh, rituals or whatever. There was just a a civil procedure. It was done to make sure that conversion doesn't matter from which religion uh, to 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 which, but to, to make sure that things are not uh, done uh, in secret and so on. So while the intentions were were good, uh, the results, at least in the in the Jewish case, were uh, troublesome for for the uh, Jewish population. So that's. Uh, that's uh, the the legal uh, context. Uh, so so, uh, and apparently Jewish girls found out very quickly that if they want to run away from home, this is what they could do. Because uh, we're talking about 1873 uh, uh, and on. Uh, where could a young girl go to if she if she runs away from home? Uh, so there was one specific uh, uh, convent in, in Kharkov. It's still there. it's a beautiful uh, convent it's it's very close to the old city. Uh, and this was the only convent that had what we call a catachumanat, uh, a, a place where that prepared a, 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 in, the, in our case girls for conversion, teaching them, uh, uh, whatever they needed to know about Roman Catholicism. So they would generally stay there for several months, uh, had their room and board. Uh, in many cases, they were uh, also trained for uh, a profession, governors or something like that, and the convent w- would help them find a, a position uh, when they left. Uh, So we have the legal context, we have this uh, institution. And then this is also, especially the beginning uh, in the 1900s and and on, it's also a period uh, of uh, the rise of the feminist movement in in Poland. Uh, And Krakow was a place where this was uh, particularly, uh, uh, I mean, feminists were particularly active, providing... Uh, free lectures for uh, women, uh, and so on. So we have feminism, we have mandatory education, uh, we have this law about uh, conversion. So those are, were some of the uh, elements that uh, uh, in, in the context of what enabled this phenomenon to, to take place.
1: I hear you, and so you—you you mentioned you sort of hinted at the question of motivation, and I want to come back to that in a second. But I just want to um, put, uh, have you put the the end, uh, uh, the chronological endpoint of your 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 analysis. So you say you're looking at from the 1870s until when? When is the endpoint of this?
2: Okay, view? so uh, after World War One. Uh, this is a dissolution of the, the Habsburg Empire uh, and uh, Galicia becomes a, a part of, uh, of Poland, uh, especially Krakow now is, is a, a part of, uh, of Poland. And uh, unlike the Habsburg Empire, uh, independent Poland uh, or the Second Republic of Poland didn't have a civil procedure. Uh, for conversion. Uh, Rather it was done according, and this is my understanding, I was in touch with many uh, Polish uh, scholars about this point, Uh, it was done according to the canon law. Now in in Poland, uh, the age uh, of majority was not 24, unlike in the Habsburg Empire, but, uh, but 21, uh, but minors who wanted to convert, uh, they had to approach first the bishop. So this easy path of just knocking uh, you know on the, on the door of the convent and, and, and uh, declaring uh, the wish to convert, this kind of path uh, ended. Uh, once the Polish uh, Second Republic uh, uh, was was uh, established, so it doesn't mean that there were uh, uh, the, 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 uh, there were no more converts to uh, uh, Roman uh, uh, Catholicism, but that easy path of of, of girls uh, uh, running away from home knowingly that there is a place where they could stay, this really stopped. So what I call the the phenomenon of running away from home ended uh, with the end of the Habsburg Empire.
1: I see. So So you, you mentioned about the question of motivation, and uh, I think uh, certainly for me, when I started to read your fascinating book, and I think probably for a lot of other people when they hear about this um, this, this period and this phenomenon that you're you're uh, looking at, they right away wonder, well, were these conversions sincere? You say that there are several hundred women who grew up in very, you know, Orthodox Jewish homes who then ran away to this particular convent and converted to Christianity and, um, uh, were, were these uh, sincere conversions that these young women really embraced the teachings of Christianity, or were these uh, really strategic um, maneuvers in order to avoid, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lifestyle or restrictions that the women found burdensome? So some of them were
2: sincere. I mentioned in the book two cases that were uh, bought uh, in front of the uh, Viennese. Supreme Court of of two young women and they definitely were sincere in their conversion. Also one of the uh, stories that I uh, reconstruct in the book, that of Michalina Aratin, she also is my uh, not just impression, uh, it's clear from uh, what uh, became from her later, she was also sincere. Uh, So they were those who uh, especially, uh, I discuss uh, in, in the book the, what were the Polish schools at that time, the public schools. Some might think, well, it's a public school, it's a secular school, uh, but uh, Roman Catholicism is part of Polish identity uh, to this day. Uh, and going to a school like this, they would, have, uh, uh, they would take trips to local churches which uh, had a history behind them, uh, definitely, the, the uh, holidays were uh, uh, celebrated and so on. Some of the girls stayed in the class, although they were exempt, uh, when uh, religion instructions on uh, the Catholic religion were, were taught. Uh, so some definitely uh, wanted to, to, to convert to the religion of the, of the majority. Uh, Others, as you said, uh, it was uh, strategic. They were running away uh, from uh, an arranged marriage in in many cases. Uh, And uh, I I explained uh, in the book, because I mentioned before, that there was a, a mandatory education law. But the Orthodox, through political agreements, uh, with the, the uh, Polish political authorities uh, were able to uh, uh, make sure that the boys, their sons, would continue to go to Haider. While, the, while the, the, the Orthodox had no problem of sending their daughters to Polish schools uh, uh, because the, the, the Jewish tradition doesn't really prescribe uh uh you know uh, instructions how to edu- uh, how to educate daughters uh, while there are instructions and traditions how to uh, educate uh, boys uh, at that time uh, unlike in other uh, provinces of the Habsburg Empire uh, the Haider the uh, was still uh, uh, very uh, um, you know uh, uh, all Orthodox Jews send their sons to Haiiro. To, sometimes they are supplemented with private lessons and so on. and when they, they, because of that the, the, the gap between the, the the girls who were educated in school, knew the Polish language, and the the, the the boys who received in most cases only a religious education, the gap between them. Uh, kept going, and when the time came for an arranged marriage, they didn't find anything in common with guys like this. And for some of them, because those uh, arranged marriages, in many cases, the father was just would just tell his daughter, I have a, a guy for you, and the uh, engagement will take place in two weeks, as in one of the cases that I described. Uh, So women, young women who were very strong-willed, who knew exactly uh, what they wanted, uh, took the step of, uh, the radical step, I would say, of of running away.
0: Um, right. Slash NBN
1: fifty to get fifty percent off. Uh, I, I yes, and um, and and speaking of some of these cases, what was the Ar- Araten affair? What what could you tell us a little bit about what what that case was was like? Okay, so
2: so Araten, uh, the Araten case, or uh, as it became known, the Araten affair, was a first case that was widely reported in the press. Jewish press, uh, uh, the Viennese press, uh, even the London Times uh, wrote about it. Uh, In America, there were reports uh, about it. Uh, And and this really started uh, uh, a a debate uh, within the Jewish society about the education uh, of of women. So uh, Araten, or Michalina Araten, uh, was a daughter uh, of a very rich Hasidic family, for those who are familiar. Uh, the father was of the inner circle of the Gera Rebbe, the uh, Spat Emet. Uh, she was born in the uh, Lodge area, or woods, which uh, at that time was uh, under the uh, Russian uh, imperial Russia. But they moved to Krakow. His father, her grandfather, lived in Krakow. They, they moved there. And uh, as other, as was customary with rich Hasidim, they wouldn't just send her to a public school, but they sent her to one of the best Polish private schools. Uh, she apparently uh, was very smart. She uh, Uh, And, uh, by the way, all those things that I'm telling you now, I had to put together uh, from police investigation, uh, the the, uh, court files, and and, and so on. Uh, When she finished the sixth grade, uh, her father pulled her out of school, even though this school had eight grades. Uh, As I said before, in Galicia, the mandatory uh, education was limited to, to sixth grade. It's not clear to me why exactly uh, he pulled her out of uh, school. Uh, They also provided her with music lessons and and so on. And at one point, about a year year later, she spotted from her window uh, um, a military, an Austrian military officer, at that time, uh, the Austrian army had uh, garrisons in, in uh, uh, Krakow, uh, and she, she kept on looking at him uh, every day. Uh, I'll make a long story short. Uh, he, he threw a note from his window. She sent an, uh, a neighbor her age to pick it up, and he invited her uh, uh, to take a, a tram ride. They met another time, and uh, the second time they they walked at the at the center uh, of, of the city at, at the Rinnecht, For those who are uh, familiar, now this is a very bold move of a Hasidic daughter. She initiated it, but he picked up on uh, on it. And apparently, when her father found out about it, he he beat her uh, with uh, with his belt. I found out that apparently this wasn't very unusual. Uh, So uh, I wouldn't call him an abusive uh, father. And uh, according to the testimony of the military officer, uh, once he discovered that, he decided to stop all uh, the relationship he had with her, which amounted, according to his testimony and her testimony, to just two two, uh, meetings. Uh, she apparently sent him several notes, letters he wouldn't answer. And then she sent him a, a letter, and I, I have the letter. It was in the, in the court file, uh, telling him that uh, her father called her. He told her she's soon to be 15, and this is a time for her to get married. And uh, she called the the, uh, the guy he picked for her a wax doll. I kind of try to, uh, uh, you know, hypothesize who that might be. It's not clear to me, but I, I have a guess in the book. And she said she, she, she doesn't want to, she, she won't marry that guy. She, she's really upset. She wanted to throw herself out of the window uh, and she can't stay home. She asked him for advice. Uh, he didn't answer. Uh, but uh, she got engaged according to the dates that she she, uh, mentions. So let's say it was on a Sunday, so on the following Shabbat, which was December 30, 1899, uh, she ran away from home and she went to that uh, convent. A month later, she disappeared, which makes it into really a sensational uh, story. Apparently, she didn't want to meet her father, when he came to visit several times, she did meet in the convent uh, her grandparents, some aunts, and so on. But uh, what's interesting in this story, and all those stories are not just stories of of daughters. They're stories of families. It's never an isolated kind of, uh, of story. Uh, and the father, who was in... Uh, if I remember correctly, in his late 30s, so he was relatively not relatively, he, he was a young man. He was rich. He used all his uh, his his uh, money and and contacts. He he met with uh, Austrian uh, ministers. He hired a private uh, detector. Uh, he offered money for tips uh, and. Uh, so, so the story uh, includes also many of what happened as a result of those uh, tips and so on. and everything was reported in the press in the in the Jewish press and the anti semitic press and the liberal press and the socialist press uh, and so on. So it also becomes uh, uh, the story of, of her father. Uh, he also at one point st- uh, tried to to show, uh, that she's not 14 yet, uh, and uh, to claim that uh, the, the convent uh, can't keep her because it's a violation uh, of the law. Uh, and then I have in that uh, uh, chapter also a, a postscript, which I won't go into now. She's buried in a Jewish cemetery in Haifa in Israel. Okay, uh, I, I'm not sure whether she really returned to, to Judaism or not. Uh, but that's, that's her story. And, and this opened, and the story was described, especially in the liberal press, and I'm talking about major newspapers, like the Neue Freie Presse, which was the most important Viennese uh, newspaper. Uh, so in the newspapers, those cases, her and other cases, are described as abductions. So this is uh, her story. Uh, yeah. Right,
1: right. So you mentioned that that these, uh, you know, runaways uh, ended up sometimes having a much larger kind of social consequences, or 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 or, or um, you know that they developed all sorts of narratives about these young women. And you mentioned that a key framing for the runaways was was the idea of uh, an abduction narrative. That the it wasn't that the women. Uh, wanted to, uh, you know, made a conscious decision to embrace Christianity, but they were somehow abducted by the convent, by the nuns, and that this was really uh, happening against the will of of these young women. Um, and certainly we can imagine both from a Jewish perspective, as well as from a liberal sort of anti-clerical uh, perspective, uh, this um, this framing would be advantageous. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You also mentioned that there were other aspects of the kinds of narratives that were developed around these young women, and one of them had to do with a charge of mental illness. Could you speak a little bit about how the claim of mental illness fit into uh, some of these narratives about these young runaways?
2: Okay, so the the men the, the, the this charge was also. Uh, 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 connected to Michalina and not to the two other cases that I uh, discussed. Uh, uh, apparently, her uh, fiancé and the father went to, the, the father uh, sent several doctors to to the, to the convent. And one of the, trying to claim that she's is sick, you know, as a father, he wanted his daughter back, so he tried all kinds of avenues, How he can get her, uh, uh, you know, claiming that she is too young or, or, or whatever. And uh, uh, because she had, and this is uh, my, my assumption, uh, because she had that relationship with a military officer, uh, the her uh, fiancé told the doctor that he suspects that she has syphilis and she she's a. Uh, 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 her uh, mental uh, uh, state uh, uh, should be should be checked as a result of the uh, uh, the relation. He doesn't say relationship. He just said that uh, he thinks that she had uh, syphilis, and indeed, uh, the father sent to her uh, uh, a psychiatrist, a, a professor, the head of a mental institution uh, that also uh, was in charge of checking prostitutes twice a week that was the the, the kind of the the norm uh, prostitute had to get a, a certificate that uh, they are clean and, and healthy and so on uh, so the father sent this psychiatrist uh, to check her uh, and he said she she's perfectly fine she, she's intelligent and and so on but interestingly when she left the convent, uh, and disappeared, she left a letter for her father. And in the letter, she, which is also uh, in the in the court case, uh, in the court file, I mean, uh, and she said that uh, uh, she, she's. it's more than a hint. She says it's specifically that she was afraid that her father was going to commit her to a mental institution by force. Uh, and she brought it as one of the reasons of uh, her decision to to run away. Uh, because her father, really more than the other uh, parents that I discussed uh, in the book, he was really, he wouldn't stop at anything uh, to get her back. So, um, and, and, and of course, the, this uh, excuse of... Uh, uh you know explaining conversion as a as a result of a, a mental kind of a, uh, infliction uh, was not used here for the first time so
1: right there's a history to the charge of mental illness against religious deviants or other people yeah. who are not following the norm of either Judaism or other organized religions. Um it's interesting. Yeah, because
2: why would a, a daughter who grows up in a rich home has uh, everything that she that any girl might want, why would she run away from home to a convent? Uh she must be mentally ill. So uh
1: so I don't think he just used it uh, as, a, as an excuse, but uh, yeah. Right. I think that this, uh, to, to me, as someone who studies uh, contemporary examples of people who leave the ultra-Orthodox uh, Jewish community, I know that this claim is also used today, which is why it jumped out at me when I saw it in your book. And I think what you were just saying really hints at part of the, the power of this claim. On the one hand, it uh, you know, if someone is mentally ill, it's a very strong explanation or a very strong um, uh, sort of argument to use against their ability to act. You know, to go and do whatever they want. Well, they have a mental illness. We, their family, their community, the state, should intervene to try to quote unquote, protect them. At the same time, on a cognitive level, on a, on a psychological level, it really helps explain an apparent um, puzzle to the, the the family members or the uh, original community. Like you were saying, if someone has such a good life, especially in, in the first, in the um, uh, this one woman's case, where she grew up in such a wealthy home, where she was given all of these uh, luxuries and freedoms, why would she possibly turn her back on them? And it, it, this creates a real puzzle for for the people that knew her, you know, and trying to answer why she did this. Well, if it turns out that she has a mental illness, that's a kind of neat explanation for this apparent inexplicable life choice. Um, if I may add, if I may
2: add to that. The experience of, of the of the girls that I described was unfamiliar to the parents. They never went to a Polish school. They had no idea. For them, they send them to the school. Later, they get betrothed to uh, the guy or the the, the parents uh, are choosing for them, and everything is fine. They 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 just couldn't imagine that experience and that double life that those uh, girls. Uh, lived in, you know, in a Polish-speaking environment, having uh, Polish uh, friends, uh, being appreciated in school for their intellectual capacity, uh, capacities, which is something new for, for girls, and then coming home to a Yiddish-speaking home, which can be more remote from their experience in school. So this is also part of, of that clash, the misunderstanding of, of each side of the uh, of what is the other side is going
1: through. Right. Um, and uh, you mentioned that these stories eventually, anyway, uh, received a lot of attention in the popular press and even in the Jewish press. So certainly the, the uh, religious leaders of the Orthodox or Hasidic community in these areas were certainly aware of what was happening. Uh, how did they respond to this um, a large group of women leaving their community?
2: Okay, b- before I answer that, if I may, one of the cases uh, one, uh, that, that I d- described is, is of a young woman who ran away uh, not with the intention to, to convert, although she found at the beginning refuge in in a convent. She just wanted to continue her studies. She wanted to go to the university, first to high school, and, and so on. And she was a descendant of the... Uh, the founder of the Sun's Hasidic uh, dynasty and she also, her story also becomes a huge sensational story uh, in, in the press. Uh, so after, starting in 1900 with the Araten uh, case, there, there is a debate in the press, uh, in the Jewish press, uh, and even some in the non-Jewish press brought as a reason the fact of the of this huge gap between uh, young men and young women in, in the society and the, the, the Jewish, I would say, like religiously moderate press, uh, Zionist, for those who are familiar, Hamagid, Hamitzvah, they blame the uh, education uh, that the Orthodox uh, give to their uh, daughters and they suggested to have schools for them, to teach them uh the Torah to teach them a uh, Jewish history uh, and so on but the orthodox press uh, rejected it they said the problem is not a lack of religious Jewish education the problem is too much secular education uh, so uh and and uh each side uh, you know held on steadfastly to to their uh, position until
1: uh, until the war, right, and and so the the religious uh, the the rabbis themselves, um, uh, you mention uh, particularly um, strong response by Rabbi Eliyahu Akiva Rabinovich, and and how did he feel uh, towards uh, uh, Jewish education for formal Jewish education for the young uh, women in the community.
2: Okay, so this was in 1903. There was a, a rabbinical conference, a very unusual conference because it had the participant, the rabbis came from all over, from the Middle East. From which uh, was from uh, from Ukraine, from Poltava. He was known, although he later changed as a as a kanai, as a as a zealot. And when one of the rabbis suggested to to establish the Talmud Torah, a religious school for for girls, he he lashed out and, and he said uh, something like that won't be so uh, I, I think it's also because the idea to give uh, uh, girls a religious education textual it teach teach them uh, uh, religious text and so on because it was suggested uh, by by the moderate and and uh, by by the uh, by those who oppose uh, the Orthodox side so accepting it would be like uh, you know claiming we're wrong and you're right. So there were also political reasons, I, I think, for that. It became a marker of how religious you are, and and if you uh, the more zealous you are, you just keep the norms as they were until until then.
1: And and so essentially, not much was done. On uh, on the part of the Orthodox uh, Jewish um, establishment, in order in in terms of uh, responding to the situation.
2: Yeah, it was uh, among the the, the ultra Orthodox. Uh, there were several uh, school. Uh, Karkov, it's still there. The, the temple. The Jewish progressives. They're not like the reformers in in in, in Germany. Uh, they uh, had uh, uh, several programs for, for girls. There were also a society named Root, which offered uh, religious classes for uh, women. So there were several initiatives, by not, uh, but not by, the, by the, the Orthodox, which became, you know, uh, everybody's doing what they can, but uh, uh, the Orthodox uh, are resisting. And part of the resistance is is uh, uh, there were those who were interested. I, I mentioned uh, Rabbi Shvadon, who is known as a, as a legal uh, Jewish religious legal uh, authority. Uh, he had an idea of establishing uh, a school system for for boys and and for girls, but he was attacked by the the. Uh, Newspaper of the of the uh, ultra orthodox Machzikei Adas, which was under the auspices of the uh, Belz Hasidim, so it had the chilling effect. You you don't want to say anything because you're going to be attacked. So th- this was also part of it. It's not that there was no will at all, but the political situation and the and the the fights between different Hasidic courts. Uh, Uh, scared people off to to come up with any innovative uh, suggestions.
1: Right. And in this uh, you know, in this uh, uh, environment, how does the story of Sarah Schneer and the Beit Yaakov movement that she began, ha- how does this fit in? If you could tell us a little bit about Sarah Schneer herself and then how her, uh, uh, her uh, vision and her um, program for edu- uh, uh, Jewish education for women fit into this landscape.
2: Okay, so uh, uh, I, I refer to this and I I cite uh, this description from a a contemporary article, this generation of of women as the lost generation, as one of the people who later, one of the rabbis who later became involved in the education of women called them. And my claim is that uh, Sarah Shanira was also, uh, uh, she also belonged to that uh, uh, lost generation. She was herself also from Krakow, so she was definitely aware of what was going on. Uh, she writes with a lot of pride about uh, the school she, she went to, the public school. I was able to identify uh, the school that, she, uh, that uh, she went to. She apparently also wanted to uh, continue, after she, she finished primary school, she wanted to continue her studies. Uh but uh, she came from a, a family of meager means and she had to help out uh, uh, the, uh, to help out uh, uh, and, and, and get, get, get a, a, a job. Uh, but uh, that's how the story goes. The only source we have is what she tells us. Uh, so that story, according to that story, uh, uh, in 1915, uh, during World War One, she fled with her family to Vienna, uh, and there she, she frequented a, a, a synagogue of uh, by Flesh, uh, who was a sort of a, a Neo-Orthodox. He studied in, in Frankfurt. He was not a, a, a really a Neo-Orthodox, but he really was attracted to the writings of uh, uh, Samson Raphael Hirsch and as she tells uh, and I found several sources where as we know you people who write their autobiographies uh, uh, sometimes you know they they, uh, they tell a story uh, from uh, making it time to to. to uh, 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 I, I don't want to say that she invented things but she, she definitely corrected it here and there so uh, according to her she heard a sermon of his about uh, uh, Judith and, and Hanukkah. She was so impressed because uh, the sermon was given to men and women. Uh, women who sat in the uh, women's gallery, of course, in Karkov, uh Hasidic rabbis wouldn't give sermons uh, with women there. They would most of the, they would give their sermons at, at the sabbath table, from which women were excluded. Uh, she was very impressed. She started uh, attending his uh, classes and so on. And at that time, she said she she heard a voice. I don't know if she means it metaphorically speaking, uh, telling her that she she must, uh, uh, you know, uh, start a, a school to educate uh, Jewish girls. Uh, she goes back to Krakow. And this, I mean, uh, I'm telling what a lot of people... Uh, after reading what what she writes, are uh, repeating the same story. Uh, she first uh, establishes a, a, an association of teenagers, and later she she goes uh, uh, following the advice of her, of her brother to the Zarebe, uh and she 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 starts uh, an afternoon school. And I want to make it clear that it was an afternoon school because all she had is a. a a primary school education. So it was an afternoon school in the beginning in her apartment uh, to teach girls uh, in the afternoon uh, uh, basic uh, Jewish uh, knowledge. As I show in the book, she didn't teach uh, the Pentateuch. Uh, Later, when uh, a good party took the school over, they didn't teach the Pentateuch there either because the claim is that she wanted to teach Torah to girls. That wasn't, that wasn't the case. That came uh, only, only uh, uh, later. Uh, and and uh, uh, after Aguda takes it over, uh, and uh, more uh, uh, small towns in the, in the neighborhood, you could see that uh, there was a source for, for this type of, of uh, education for girls. Uh, several communities. I send uh, uh, girls to see what she's doing, and they uh, establish schools in, in their neighborhood. and And this is to make a long story uh, short. It ends up with with a uh, a whole uh, system of uh, mostly afternoon schools. There were several. Full fledged schools, but most of them are uh, afternoon schools. And the 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 flagship of of this uh, movement is a seminary, also in Krakow. Uh, I claim in the book that not Warsaw, but Krakow, where which was the eye uh, in the storm, the eye uh, eye of the storm, with all those stories that I, I, I discussed. This is now going to be. The place of uh, 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 you know change, changing what uh, happened before, and uh, it's a, a seminary to train teachers for those afternoon school teacher of the teachers of the Jewish religion. It's not like a seminary for just to train teachers, but teachers of the of the Jewish uh, of the Jewish religion.
1: And then eventually. Um, uh, the this uh, base Yaakov movement develops uh, um, a whole educational system in America and Israel and maybe other places where you have a full day, uh, like regular schools, day schools for a young Orthodox Jewish girls, right? Yeah, there was talking about
2: uh, 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 day school. If they, they were not referred to as day school at this time. Uh, one scholar. Uh, he claimed that there were fourteen school, full-fledged schools. I I couldn't find uh, all of them, but in w- Warsaw there were three uh, schools. Also in Lodz, some other places. I don't go beyond the, the Polish the Polish case uh, in the book. But my claim uh, is, since it's referred to as, as a, a revolution, uh, revolutionary movement. My claim is that it was a revolution. In religious and Jewish religious education, but it's a counter evolution in women's education, because this was the only, until at least 1937, this was the only post primary uh, option is a teacher seminary. Uh, in 1937 or 36, I don't remember. There were uh, also uh, uh, two schools were established to. Uh, as a, to train uh, uh, girls for in uh, 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 one of them uh, to be uh, uh, like not exactly social workers but to, to do social uh, social types of uh, uh, to get social types of, of uh, positions and and the other uh, uh, one they they could uh, and uh, it was a post primary school but it wasn't a real high school that would offer uh, what's called like a a baccalaureate exam that would enable girls to uh, enter a university. So this option of a continued education, which women started uh, fighting for uh, in the last decades of the 19th century. Uh, this option was rejected by the Besyakov and the teacher seminary, which was the hallmark of female education in 1870, became now the top. And for the you know for for uh, uh, intellectually capable girls, because this was the the top uh, uh, education educational institution. So so I look at it uh, you know from the, the uh, b-
1: both sides All right. All right well before we let you go I wanted to ask you um, just to, to, to shift gears here a little bit and ask you um, what are you working on now or what is the next project that you're that you're working on if you could tell us a little bit about it
2: okay so this is a project that I started uh, before uh, writing uh, this book. I put it aside, and now I'm returning to that, I'm returning to my uh, interest in, in, in uh, uh, politics and uh, social history, although there are women's stories also uh, in the context of social uh, history. Uh, it's a history of uh, Galician Jews from the time of annexation from 1772. Uh, until 1867 when the uh, Jews were uh, emancipated uh, following the publication of the Austrian uh, uh, constitution. So I call it from Polish Jews to Austrian citizens. Uh, it, it is arranged according to, to topics, uh, religion, uh, communal uh, institutions, uh, uh, or uh, um, uh, I have also uh, a, a chapter uh, on uh, uh, marriage law and so on. It's basically on the relationship between the Jews and the relationship of Jews to the state and the attitude or the relationship of the state to the Jews as it manifested itself in, in the legal system.
1: Wow, well, that so that's sounds my, fascinating. That's, uh, that, that sounds fascinating. I look forward to reading that as well. Well, we want to thank you, Rachel, for taking your time to share your thoughts with us today. Thank you so much. Okay.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Uh, okay. now. That concludes, now uh, that concludes our program. Thanks for listening and have a great day.